0: What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Dr. Script Show, where we talk about your favorite movies, the good, the bad, and how to fix them. We don't just talk about the problems here, we give solutions to the problems. Alright, my guest today, from Sogs and Blogs, and the overrated podcast, Dr. Sogger! What's up, Taylor? Thanks for having me. No problem, thanks for coming over, my man. So, what are we talking about today? We are talking about... A little movie called Ant-Man. Oh, yes. One of my favorites. Yes. And just to give a quick little summary about the whole film, armed with a super suit and unbelievable powers to shrink in scale and increase strength, Scott Lang must embrace his inner hero and help his mentor, Dr. Hank Pym, to pull off a heist that will save the world. All right, Sauger, what what are your thoughts on Ant-Man? So when you asked me to feature, I
1: was, I was so ready to dump on some like horrible comic movie. Just go crazy. But to my surprise, you called me up for Ant-Man, and that's one of my favorite MCU movies. Definitely my favorite of any movie so far that has been script-doctored. I think just as a film, like if you take all the extra MCU fluff out of all these eight, like 19 movies, I think as a film, Ant-Man does stand in the top five, and I, I do stand by that.
0: This, so this will be interesting. Yeah. The thing with me, I really dislike this movie too. This would be in my bottom five oh, of snap. Marvel films. And definitely my least favorite like origin story. I did not think it was pleasant at all.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Um, so for me, I think it was, it was just
1: such a breath of fresh air from what the MCU was at the time. And even if you do watch them in either release order or chronological order, and um, I did this recently in preparation for Infinity War, where starting the first week of January, I was watching one MCU movie every every weekend uh, and just kind of seeing how they aged, ranking them in my own head, like, stuff like that. And Ant-Man really, it, it features some of the most human characters in the MCU thus far because you constantly have these larger-than-life figures, and even with the human... As members of the Avengers when you have Widow and Hawkeye they still have uh, like Black Widow is so high on her drama like she's got all this edge and grit behind her and Hawkeye has this whole obligation or whatever to be the moral center of the team Scott is just human and sometimes I feel like like if you compare it to, to Guardians uh, most notably Guardians 2 sometimes I feel like in that movie they were telling jokes at the audience whereas i feel like the characters in ant-man just kind of tell jokes to each other and we're just along for the ride and i think the comedy flows better that way because
0: the conversations feel more natural i think paul rudd is funny i don't really know if i could say a lot of anyone else is that funny in this and the thing with like guardians is i could tell you like rocket groot chris pratt gamora they're all fun like three-dimensional characters I couldn't really describe Hank Pym in any other way besides old. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, you're just describing Michael Douglas. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but I, I have to give Marvel credit just in general, like, of everything they've made. They, I would say they're, like, the kings of script doctoring their own work. Because, like, originally, you know, Hank Pym is the OG Ant-Man, and they viewed this as, like, hey, Hank Pym, how would you describe him? Old. Let's go with Scott Lang, who's, like, a cool burglar guy he's like more three-dimensional and I think that was very smart and they do this in a lot of their movies too yeah and I actually
1: like that decision because I remember at first the comic nerd in me was like hang on a second Hank Pym's not Ant-Man but then I really thought about it and I thought maybe going with even especially after seeing the movie and after rewatching it again this year sometime around March uh, I was kind of happy with the decision to go with Scott because because again Scott brings a very I think just at the human level, he is one of the most relatable characters in the MCU. Now, I think they could have done this el- even better than they did. And I think we'll get into that during the surgery section. But that, that's where I stand
0: with it. All right. Should we talk about the antics that go on in Ant-Man? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. These aren't forced at all. <laughs> all let right. right. Let's, let's talk about the summary of the film. All right. So we open with Hank Pym. Leaving S.H.I.E.L.D. after yeah, yeah, yeah. getting a little mad about everything that goes on with that. Agent Pete Carter tries to convince him to stay, but he refuses. Yeah, he Howard gives, Stark is there. Yes. He gives uh, a little Hydra agent a little a little table full of table. <laughs> he gives him a whole lot. I liked this opening scene a lot in general. Like I think we just sort of established that Hank in general is like very moral, and when he sees something he doesn't like, he doesn't want to be associated with it. And I kind of like this for another
1: reason as well, because, um, you know, eventually you do have to start connecting this, the whole MCU, eventually you have to start connecting it to everything. And some would say that that didn't really happen until phase three consistently, where we constantly saw some glimpse of the rest of the events going on. Um, and if we didn't, it was with a good reason. Whereas like Dr. Strange took place in its own kind of construct, But I do like opening with the S.H.I.E.L.D. throwback scene because not only does it give us context to who Hank Pym is, it gives us context to what Howard Stark and Peggy Carter and even HYDRA agents pre-Winter Soldier were doing at the
0: time. Do you think the HYDRA agent was a lieutenant ant? Oh my god. Alright, so Scott's in prison. Yeah, so we open, Scott uh, comes through, he just is getting out of jail, all his buddies are so bummed that he's leaving, and he gets picked up by his old cellmate, Luis, who like tries to talk to him about getting back into the crime game, but Scott says no and gets a dope AF job working out at Baskin Robbins.
1: Yeah, and as, as as we all know, Baskin Robbins always finds out. They always find out, man. <laughs> Those guys. <laughs> so, um, so while we're you know while we have like the Baskin Robbins thing happening, um, Scott comes back to the apartment after being fired, and Luis is working with two other two other guys. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call them like what I know them as as uh, Russian dude and Ti. Why Ti was in the Marvel universe, I will never know. Anyway, so we got Russian Dude and T.I., and uh, they kind of tell, they kind of reveal that Scott went to jail, yes, for a robbery, for, for some huge heist.
0: However, he was more of a Robin Hood type character in this scenario. Yeah, well, I'm going to get back to that. Yeah, I've same. Himself, all right. good. Glad we're on the same yeah, page. Yeah, glad we're on, on the same page on that. <laughs> um,
1: but anyway, the, so we're introduced to Darren Cross, Hank Pym, and Hope Van Dyke, and we're introduced at Pym Tech, which, you know, it, it's. I, I do like the fact that it was set in San Francisco as well. It's, it's yeah, a little recognizable, um, <laughs> yeah, so it like like the barrier it's this huge huge company uh you know if if pimtech was real, it would definitely be featured on Silicon Valley mm-hmm. or something.
0: um <laughs> could you imagine this on Shark Tank <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, um so th- the whole thing is revealed that Cross uh, was Hank's protege, yes. and Cross has now found out about the Ant Man technology, and he is. Well, hold on.
0: Cross knows about the Ant Man technology. There's pictures and videos of this. Like the fact that Cross doesn't realize that the Ant Man was not a legend is like baffling to me. Yeah,
1: I think they could have cleared that up a little bit, but that's uh, that's definitely something we can get into in surgery. So we're we're setting up some tension here. Hope has some animosity with Hank, but they're kind of like a little hesitant to have an alliance at this point, and they're going to have one uh, because both Hope and Hank are on the same page that Cross can't get this technology out. Right. um, Because he's most likely going to sell it to the wrong people. And just privatizing, or I guess making stuff like this public and um, making it a product is just going to, just going to undercut the importance of it and you know it's just not a good not a good deal
0: all around right so then Scott goes to his daughter's birthday party unannounced where his former wife and future fiance come and scold him for not paying child support just making Pim or Scott feel like a real downer you know that that asking Robin's life can only get yeah. you so much.
1: And it should be it should be noted here that Scott's daughter feels no animosity towards him. She's actually very uh, she's actually very happy to see him. He gives her a really really crappy birthday present and she's just overjoyed at the
0: fact that it exists. Yeah. It's like <laughs> a five night at Freddy's doll. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um what if he gave her like ice cream and it was the wrong type of ice cream? Like
1: I see I feel I feel like I feel like she still would have loved it.
0: Like this, yeah, this exactly. kid is adorable.
1: She <laughs> and she clearly loves her dad.
0: We cut back to Darren Cross coming and talking to this one investor who wasn't as interested in the tech in the bathroom and this guy Cross doesn't... You don't want to cross him at all. Cause oh, God. just he just... God. He just <clears throat> this one guy and flushes him down the toilet.
1: Yeah. So and,
0: here you get some sort of idea that, like, Cross is a little
1: conflicted about this whole thing. But he's... The reason he's being like this is... Be, it's, there's definitely some personal thing going on between him and Hank.
0: I feel like this was here just to show that he was evil. We'll, we'll, we'll come back all to this. Yeah. Um, so then Luis tells Scott back at their apartment that he heard from a friend, from a friend, from a friend. And we get this really fun telephone game. And this scene happens specifically because Scott, after initially
1: refusing that he doesn't want to rob anymore, saying he has to because he's just that desperate to see his daughter.
0: Yes. And so after hearing about how great this place is, Scott decides to join and go and break into this house, which we later find out is Hank Pym's. So Scott breaks in, he's like super crafty and uses MacGyver skills to break into this safe to find... A motorcycle suit. Allegedly a motorcycle <laughs> suit. Uh,
1: and Scott takes the suit regardless, and uh, the next day he finds out... He puts it on yes. and discovers that this suit can shrink him. And after going about on a wild escapade and almost
0: dying a few times... Yes, he goes to a party, <laughs> gets attacked by a rat, and ends up on the top of the car. Yeah. Um, so feeling feeling like... Way
1: freaked out, especially with the fact that somebody was communicating with him in this suit. Scott decides to just, like, go return it. And when he does, he gets arrested by none other than his... Hank <laughs> <pink> Penn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say his um his ex-wife's new fiancé, oh, the cop, yes. which he, he doesn't come into play that much, but he, he just kind of exists to make the plot go
0: forward. Yeah, he... Yeah. Anyway, Anyways. so,
1: yeah, so, but like Taylor was saying, the whole thing is orchestrated by Hank, and including Scott's jailbreak, also orchestrated by Hank, all to get him back to Hank Penn's place.
0: Yep. Anyways, so, yes, Scott ends up going to jail. He gets out because of Hank giving him the suit again. There's a cool little scene with all the insects being used, and. He wakes, Scott wakes up the next day at Hank's place where his daughter, Hope, is waiting for him to wake up. They talk about how Hank uses all of his technology to control the ants and try and convince Scott into doing the heist with them to get Cross's tech out.
1: Yeah, so the whole, the whole deal here is Hank has this Ant-Man suit. They're going to try to steal the Yellow Jacket mm-hmm. suit, which is what Cross is promoting. The problem with that is Hope is we see Hope and she is more than capable. She's probably better at fighting than than Scott is. Yep. She's more than capable of putting this suit on. However, there's this whole thing where Hank doesn't want to doesn't want to put Hope in the suit for reasons not confirmed and Hope is just really salty about the whole thing the whole time. Yes. And she reluctantly agrees to train Scott albeit she's having some fun with him and, you know, punching him flat in the face uh, to kind of show off a little bit.
0: Yeah, they have a fun little montage that goes through. Yeah. And, you know, we get to see Paul Rudd having abs, which, cool. (laughs) Never thought I'd see that day. You know, if I... If I was doing... I would just do a superhero movie just so I could get abs. You yeah, know? no, exactly. Like, beyond that personal training diet. Yes. Beyond on that Michael B. Jordan diet. Oh, yeah. You know it. <laughs> uh, so, yes, they start training, and Cross ends up testing this new technology on goats, because F goats. <laughs> they even they even say... <laughs> we'll like, get back to that. They even say, like, yeah, we were going to use mice, and he's like, no, we're using goats now. Like, not verbatim of that. Oh, but like, God. The horror. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Uh, well, we meet the most important character of this film also, Aunt I Shit. I just
1: don't even know what to say anymore.
0: Anyway, so. Dude, pun um, game strong. Pun we, game strong. Don't it, even
1: hate. It's, it's good. I'm not hating. It's, <laughs> it's good. All right, so. Uh, yeah, we have these, like, montage scenes. Basically, we just see the three of them getting closer together. And what I like here is just some sense of... This is where we get, like, the real sense. This is where I get the feeling that this is just such a human movie, you know? You got Captain America. He's out here fighting for his his morals, his strict beliefs. Uh, You got here... You got Iron Man fighting, you know, because because of his demons. Uh, He's constantly paranoid that there's a doomsday coming and nobody else is seeing it except him. You got all these larger-than-life figures in in the Avengers so far. And here, you just have a guy that wants to see his daughter, and he just wants to do the right thing. And I I just love that part about it. I, I love when Hope is like, you focus on your daughter, see what you can, like, that's how you're going to get your focus, that's how you're going to get all of this down. Hope and Hank even
0: have the scene where Hank drops the major bomb on Hope. He drops the major bomb that his, their, her mom actually died going into this... Uh, what was it called? Subtonic? Quant- the quantum realm. She, she goes subatomic.
1: Um, the whole idea is there are regulators on these suits. Uh, so Hank Pym was the Ant-Man, and his wife, Janet Van Dyke, was the, was the Wasp. So their suits... They, they had similar powers, a few differences. Like the Wasp suit had wings... Uh, had some had some other capabilities um the ant man was designed to be more of a brawler, I guess, so the whole deal is that there's this there's this regulator on their suits, and if they turn off the regulator, they go subatomic so that means they can shrink between molecules, get into spaces that even for the most part insects can't even fit into so be there was a missile it was about to it was about to blow up important area- miscellaneous all that. The point is Janet went subatomic and Hank lost her forever. Hope didn't know that, and Hope is in tears asking why why wasn't she told sooner? And Hank did the cliche superhero thing that even I get sick of sometimes the like, whole well, like I was trying to protect you. Yeah um, I, I just wish he could have worded it a little better, but he he does that whole thing and um then we get again we just get closer and i like that hank is trying to be as good of a father like he's trying as hard to be a good father as scott is I, i kind of like the correlation there
0: yeah there's some parallels there and we'll get back to that later uh but then when they're planning out the heist they realize that they need some more technology and that the stark warehouse has it so then they send this mission off with Scott to go acquire some tech and it turns out to be the Avengers headquarters. Right, because it hasn't been publicized yet but the Avengers yes. tower is no longer going to be in use
1: and instead uh, after the events of Age of Ultron they've moved all their avenging to uh, to this compound and uh, so
0: Scott lands immediately sees the Avengers logo and knows shit's about to go down. <laughs> and so then Falcon appears they have a little fight many quips to go back and forth yeah and falcon definitely at the end of this is like cap can't find out about this and yeah man this is a pretty bad for you
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i I don't know what uh well i think it, it it was kind of a decision to make the plot go on because i feel like any other avenger scott would have definitely lost
0: yeah it We'll come back to this. Mm-hmm. So then after successfully getting the tech, they go back to Hank's place. And as they're celebrating, Darren Cross comes into the house. He bumps him to Hank. And they have a little dialogue. And at the end, he asks, like, Cross asks, why did you pick me as your assistant? And Hank's like, I saw myself in you. Yeah, and so this is why I really, this is why I start, where I start to like Cross as a villain.
1: Uh-huh. I, I start to see, you know, there, there's more going on underneath there. And I wish maybe the movie would have focused more on him and Hank's prior relationship. Yes. And maybe have, like... Because this scene has a lot of tension. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, And I think they should have kept going with it. But kind of cuts forward, and it keeps going. And basically, they find out that uh, Cross is doing the whole release of the Yellow
0: Jacket, like, ASAP. Yes. He's doing the big reveal tomorrow, and he wants Hank to come and be there for the sell-off. And Hank's just like, Sure. I can do that. And so they have to speed up the whole heist that they go through. Scott recruits all of the other people, the Russian, He's T.I. Recruits, yeah, Russian Luis. guy, <laughs> T.I. and Luis. And uh, Hank's not too jazzed about it, but they still go ahead with it. The next day, they start going the heist. Right. It goes pretty well. So the heist part is, is great, I will say. I think Luis
1: is the security guard, just uh scott and doing the thing i think the heist part of it is great but as uh we'll probably get into the yellow jacket versus ant-man kind of turns into just a big third act mcu mess <laughs> so,
0: uh, i mean like at least it's like creative and they're fun a little but... yeah there's a few cool moments i will give them that but for them well all right let's keep going so yeah. heist yes so they have the heist i'm just going to cut to so they have the heist and then Scott gets successfully into where the Yellow Jacket's being held, but it turns out that Cross is just there planning it all along, trying to get the other tech too. Yeah, to.
1: he's kind of one step ahead of him.
0: Yes, and so then they end up escaping. Hank gets shot, and Ant-Man, Scott, goes after Cross. Who
1: now dons the Yellow Jacket suit.
0: Yes, but also Hope is telling cross that this isn't you it's just the particles in your head that are making you like this which sure (laughs) they did see they
1: briefly touched on that in a scene with hank and scott but again like yeah delivery could have been a little better on that
0: yeah they could have yeah anyways so then they have the whole fight up in the helicopter they end up having the final fight in scott's Uh, ex-wife's house where his daughter's there and the only way to save his daughter is to go uh, what was it again? subatomic so
1: yeah so scott um scott goes subatomic to get into the very very narrow parts of the yellow jacket suit yes and he basically tries to blow it up from from the inside and uh he does succeed however going subatomic means you know, he, he knew, he knows what happened to Janet and yes. he is, he was willing to take the risk anyway, which I think was, we'll, we'll talk about this, but he, he does some, he does some, uh, how do you want to describe it? Some Davis ex Machina or just some,
0: uh, I mean like him escaping, he uses some of the bigger tools that he gets like that make him bigger.
1: Yeah. So Hank, during the training montage, Hank specifically gave him, uh, two types of discs, one that shrink, and one that grows when, when you throw it at it so they've used it in like a bunch of creative ways he's thrown it at an ant and now you have a giant size ant yes he's uh they threw it at a tank keychain that turned out to just be a tank in general <laughs> he puts one of these grow ones in his regulator and turns the regulator back on and it just works
0: yes which, fine, I'll give you yeah, I'll give you sure. that Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so it ends with them being really happy. Cross, I don't, he disappears, right? With, yeah, so he, he's, he's gone, he's dead. And we end up finding out that Scott and Hope are a thing and are just making out cool. <laughs> and it ends with an after-credits scene with Michael Douglas showing Hope that he has a wasp costume for him. Which, okay, that would have been helpful, like, a day ago. <laughs> it was, it was, it, 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 it's a post credit scene. You could assume it was some time ago. Uh. okay. Some time later. Uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was Ant-Man. And, uh, again, a lot of the things that I didn't like about it is, I think it is just a lot of montages. And the thing is, the formula, I feel like, has been run out. And the only person that really keeps it entertaining is Paul Rudd. I was just bored throughout a lot of it, but yeah. Anyways, uh, should we go into surgery right now? Yes, let's let's go into surgery. All right, let's get our scalpels out. What is the first thing you want to tackle from this?
1: Okay, so the first, the biggest thing, probably one of the biggest turnoffs on this movie for me, is Hank and Hope having this really like tender father son, or I mean, sorry, father daughter moment, and it's finally the moment of closure that both both of them were looking for. Hank finally gets the chance to tell her. It's this huge human moment in a movie that's always been like this. And then Paul Rudd comes in and undercuts it with a joke. And I was like, okay, Marvel, come on. That's bad, even for you. Because, <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, I, I think, like, I think the whole, oh, they're just quipping. Like, I, I think that's one of the, like, many lazy criticisms I hear about the MCU in general, because there's so much more to appreciate. And uh, even with this movie, I would rather talk about what, what I liked Versus what I didn't. But this one, man, this just gets me every time. I am so into that moment. (laughs) And then Paul Rudd's got to Paul Rudd it. And it's just... uh, That's like the the first and major thing I would fix.
0: Yeah, I think the father-daughter aspect needs to be a little more tapped in where I don't think Hank trusts his daughter right now. And that's what... I really want to improve on it is he got Scott because he doesn't think his daughter is completely with him. And it could be like maybe just a spy on him to see what he's doing or something like yeah, that. Yeah.
1: They're, they're def- they definitely established that they've drifted and for, and, and hope does make it clear that she thinks this should be her right. Yes. And um, Hank makes it clear that he's just not trying to lose her.
0: Like he lost Janet. Yeah. But he needs to, as a character, he needs to make that a little more established because she is just so much more qualified to do this than Hank and <laughs> yeah. than Scott she, is. She's more qualified. I think what also helps is that she's more qualified in terms of
1: just being a brawler. Yeah. I, I I think in in a weird case, Scott's knowledge of just heists and Hank does mention that he's been watching Scott since that major heist that he did, that got got him sent to jail anyway. Which can we go into that next?
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay.
1: I personally would have just preferred that Scott was just just a thief before. I I, I, I get like you wanna give him the whole Robin Hood thing to humanize him and everything. Yeah, but I think I think true virtue comes from a guy who's messed up, whose acknowledged he's messed up and is looking for a different opportunity slash now trying to do it for different reasons or or whatever. Like I I kind of want to see the intention of him, because he's he starts out. Imagine this. He starts out just being a thief for the sake of being a thief. Then he goes back to rob Hank uh, off off of Luis's tip just because he his motivation is now daughter. Mm-hmm. And then the next heist, his motivation is world. And I I think that would just be a great progression. It was like selfish my scope of view, everybody. I think it would have been a great progression. Um,
0: yeah, that gives him more of a character arc throughout yeah. this. Because, I mean, the, you can't really say he changes throughout the movie. Like, there's no, like, personal growth. Right. He is just like, yeah, this is me. I quit at inappropriate times. Yeah, and so might... I
1: think I think making him not in a Robin Hood figure from the, from the start would have been good, and, and I think it would have avoided a trope as well.
0: Yeah, I... I get what they were doing with the Robin Hood trope, but I think something that we could tackle with is like if we don't know if he actually did do these crimes or not, or if he was framed like as the audience, and th- the whole mm. time we're trying to figure it out, then maybe we find out he did do these crimes, and that the big decision at the end is like if he has all the tech and he's like, whoa, this guy just told me yeah. that I can make X amount of money that would be enough to do all this and or if he's like
1: or or if we find out yeah the reason he did it is like you know he did it because he wanted to and now he doesn't want to for that I, I, yeah i yeah, the, the whole point of this that we're both trying to say is just you know we wanted to give scott a little more because he has a lot going for him but we just wanted that to be more expressed as an arc throughout the movie
0: yeah, and the thing is, he gets so much hate for being, like, a good criminal. Like, everyone's <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, you were a thief. But it's like, you're forgetting that he gave all the money back. He didn't, like, hide it for himself. Yeah. Which, like, if he did do that, then he's, like, deserving of all this hate from the fiancé and the wife. Yeah. And it it makes more sense rather than, like, hey, you, you remember when you gave me a hundred bucks? Yeah. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I think something that, with this arc that he has talking about the daughter now the daughter should be more peeved about this about him like choosing this life of crime instead of like raising her
1: and oh you think the, so
0: yeah i think the big moment of decision is like before the movie takes place is that he chose crime over her mm-hmm. like oh yeah like i was greedy i wanted the money throughout all of it and then after this whole adventure he has like the choice between going back to that life with all the tech he has or, like, staying with his daughter and, like, growing up with her. Like, the daughter is, like, pretty chill about everything that yeah. happens to her, Like, not having a dad for X amount of years or... But, see, the, the problem with that is I think you'd have to change a lot
1: more in the movie just by changing that decision because uh, the reason he's so jazzed to get out and see her, his daughter again is because she equally is jazzed about seeing him. So, yeah. I imagine, like, if he went to the birthday party and she's not happy to see him, Judy Greer's not happy to see him, Uh, D-Bag stepdad, whatever trope, is not happy to see him, Mm -hmm. then what's stopping him from just, again, robbing Hank for the sake of robbing again? Because, like, he has nothing left. I think the movie established and helped us believe that Scott still has stuff outside of prison, and that's why he's trying not to go back. But in an act of desperation, he takes the tip from louise so he can because he thinks he'll be more free
0: to see his daughter i i do agree that makes him a lot more likable for wanting to go do this for all his daughter and everything but i think he should start out as more of a bad guy and then like seeing his daughter not immediately like say yes like love him like should sort of irk him like oh maybe i shouldn't and then like he hears about the pay or whatever and
1: then he's like, the thing all right, is, I'm back
0: into it. You got to remember, like, Scott
1: hasn't murdered anyone or anything. He's, uh, and it is quite possible that maybe, you know, sometimes, sometimes children know more than we do because they have less constraints. So maybe it's just possible for the, for the daughter to see like, oh, dad robbed
0: people to help people. <laughs> maybe it, maybe it is possible. Yeah. I mean, I get that but so the little girl's going to be more like down for this than the parents or the fiance and everything <laughs> like i i think the fiance character could also be a little better too if he was more like hey like i respect what you did but at yeah, the law thing. or whatever yeah cuz they were he kind of just
1: turned out to be like he he turned out to be more of just constantly in scott's way and yeah. in the plot's way yep. where i think he should have been more of a I think he should have been more of an antithesis to Scott himself. So maybe somebody who, uh, maybe somebody who is strictly by the book, by the book, by the book, and maybe towards the end, instead of that weird interaction between Scott and him, and he t- tases Scott for whatever reason, yeah. I think, I think, yeah, that'll explain everything. <laughs> but I think maybe they could have, in that moment, had they they could have chosen to have a character moment instead where cop dad sees scott has good intentions but he just goes about it in a different way and maybe he just needs to let scott have this one yeah Uh, so i i think that could have been done a lot better as well
0: yeah no i agree with that definitely like he is just like annoying part of the plot yeah he's just constantly in the way like i hate seeing him on screen well you could have just cut him out and honestly (laughs) what 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 difference is there
1: yeah no you there could have just been they they could have just not had a stepdaughter step step dad figure at all could have made every other scene he's in being a generic cop just include generic cops and Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have made a difference which i think then that's just wasting a character and I think you could have done something with that, and I, you know, obviously it's hard to fit. It's hard to fit all of this in, whatever two hours. I guess there was some drama behind the scenes, which we'll also get into. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I think about. You know, cop dad.
0: Cop dad. So, what is Hank Pym's plan to get Scott originally like to join him? Because it is like relying a lot on a telephone game yeah that. <laughs> i mean as cool as the the, the, the scene, scene was funny it was yeah. hilarious and like it was, michael it was peña dope. really like is a cool dude
1: michael peña sold that i i think uh, i don't know how true it is you can never confirm things like this but people on the internet speculate that that scene was film film nerds say that scene was very edward edward wright-esque
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and i i think it was a good concept But yeah, it is is a little far-fetched for Hank to be that savvy about it. And the other, I guess, hole that the movie falls into here is that if Hank was on a time crunch with with this yellow jacket
0: thing... (laughs) Yeah, like, what's the timeline? Like, did he see it? And he's like, oh, wow, all right, now I'm going to go talk to my maid to go talk to her boyfriend, who's the softball league coach, to go talk to this one guy who's cousins with... who also is a good friend with Scott Lang. (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) as cool. Or I can just like, you know, go up to him and be like, hey man, I got some money and I need your help. Yeah. Take out the poor middleman.
1: Yeah, see this is one of those things where you just, you know, these movies are supposed to be fun to some extent. So this is one of those things where I think you just got to sit back and enjoy the ride with it but definitely when you think in when you when you actually do your thinking into it it's like wait a minute why didn't you just
0: <laughs> well I'm, the thing i i sort of want to talk about too right here is i think what michael or like hank should have done is like use the first break in as a blackmailing thing like all right i know you really love your daughter and everything i love my daughter too but I need you to do this for me. And I know you're not going to like be a crook about it because I'll just turn you back in and then you won't be able to see your daughter.
1: And maybe Scott could have seen, maybe Scott and Hank could have had like a moment of, uh, I guess, parallelism there where Hank was, where Scott's like, wait a minute, you, you orchestrated this just to get me here to like do something for you. And he was like, yeah. And Scott could be like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Because again, in our rewrite, Scott was a scoundrel
0: yeah yeah exactly so even if he's still such a criminal uh hank is like yeah. thought three steps ahead of him so we can show that scott has these two
1: opposing figures where hank understands understands the need to be a little more outside of the book but hank is a as a force of good whereas you have cop dad who is very you know he he's by the book but he's constantly he's kind of serving as the antithesis to scott in that sense so i think in that sense we build some sort of we build some sort of i guess scott has scott's like the middle of the venn diagram yeah
0: yeah so just again i think that would have been fun for scott to get thrown into that um another thing i sort of want to talk about is with the villain okay the particles
1: what okay so (laughs) hank mentions so, there's that really cool scene where Scott mentions, "Why don't you just put the suit on one last time mm-hmm. and hank goes it it uh, don't you think I want to try that? It's taken a toll on me so there's the after watching it two times and like rewatching these important scenes for <laughs> this podcast, I've seen <laughs> i only now have I understood that maybe there was like some mental toll on Hank that. You know Hank probably caught it and didn't really, I guess, want to act on it any further, and that's why he retired. And I guess the implication, which is a super big leap to make, is that Darren Cross had been trying on the yellow jacket suit or working in close proximity with it, uh, without the same insight or self reflection that Hank had, and that caused Cross to, I guess, go a little crazy in the head and that's what hope was referring to
0: yeah again huge leaps to make (laughs) for one i'm sure scott really appreciated hearing that information after trying it on a few times yeah exactly like dude and doesn't that make hank sort of a dick for not telling darren about this stuff like if he should he be like hey man this is gonna mess with your head and if he's like, no, whatever, like, no, it's not. I'm stronger than you or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. See, again, there's 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 more potential there. We,
1: we could have built off of.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, like, Darren Cross can just be a guy who wants to get money. Like, yes, that's very cookie cutter. But again, yeah. how am I going to describe Darren Cross after watching this movie? Bald.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, what else yeah. is there? There's, yeah, because there's a few scenes, and especially with, uh, Especially with the acting here, like there's the scene where he looks at himself in the mirror, and it's it actually kind of, y- it's a subtle hint you feel for a bit that like okay this guy is kind of conflicted, and then there's the scene of tension between him and Hank. Uh, every other scene crosses in is just kind of, uh, half cringe, half what are you doing here, like, especially and I I said we would talk about the goats or the lambs yes. or whatever they are. Oh, were um, they not
0: lambs? I, I don't know. Whatever. So I'm, I'm gonna say I'm uh, gonna go go with it. And... Got it. Look, the point is, animal cruelty's not cool.
1: <laughs> and I do want to say that I thought those scenes were just a, a dark spot on an otherwise happier movie. And yeah. I, I I didn't really see the need for it. And especially, like, to be so cartoony with it. Like, I didn't think Cross needed to be a cartoony villain in that regard.
0: Yeah, he does get, like, some really, like, weird Lex Luthor vibes at times. But, like... like
1: you know, movie like
0: Luthor, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like Jolly Rancher, Eisenberg <laughs> <Joyce> Luthor.
1: <laughs> That's a movie we should do sometime. <laughs> Although I think that'd take three hours oh, and God. an extended cut. Of four. Yes,
0: exactly. I'm not
1: salty at all. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So I I think that was a big thing. I I didn't like the whole. I think it just messed with the tone. It was kind of a kind of a shitty vibe when doing like the lamb experimentation. Can we talk quickly about? think the techno babble was a little all over the place
0: yeah i mean i'm not gonna dig it too much for that but i do agree like it is just like blah 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 and this controls the ends and you just sort of of, like go with it i do kind of i
1: do kind of like in one of the few things i like about age of ultron was just there was like a moment where um maria hill was trying to explain uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch's powers to Captain America, mm-hmm. and after using all the technical techno-valuable terms, she's just, like, he's fast and she's weird, and it's, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, okay, that's kind of funny, um, <laughs> I, I, I chuck, I chuckle a little bit, and I think maybe they could have done something similar here, or maybe, maybe since that was just a movie before, maybe just, like, simplify it a little bit, like, I don't know why Hank needed to get into, like, olfactory neuro systems, whatever I, I don't know I, don't, I, I wasn't a science kid um, and um, I just think yeah simplify that a little bit uh,
0: it's just not needed like yeah. that is a point I will say you just got like your eyes gloss over after hearing so much techno babble. and yes it's one of, it's right next to the montages so I do check out for a little bit but I understand that they have to do it at times and I'm not gonna ding it too much for that yeah But I agree. So another thing I want to touch upon, the Hope and Scott relationship. Right. I didn't think they had that much chemistry in the movie or a lot of like, oh yeah, these guys, they're going to be a thing. I sort of wish they had, at least like, if they're going to do it, invest a little more time in it or just cut it out entirely and save that for the second movie. Because then I think this movie is a heist movie. The next Ant Man and the Wasp can be like a romantic comedy in a way, yeah, you know, or just like you know,
1: just a just like a buddy cop where they are, uh, they get into each other, <laughs> like yeah. something like that. And then
0: there's a lot more time there to build some chemistry yeah. and everything. No,
1: I think I'd be okay with that. I think I think I'd be okay with just like setting the foundation for the romance here. Like maybe there's a scene, Maybe there's more scenes of hope, just uh, showing you know begrudging respect for. Scott for being trying to be a good father. Yeah. Uh maybe there's some scenes like that and Hope totally gets it. Uh and then next next movie like I I'm I'm trying to think um if cuz the trailer both trailers for Ant-Man and the Wasp have that scene where Scott's daughter is like maybe you just need somebody watching your back, maybe you just need a partner. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't know that Scott and Hope were going to be a thing, I I mean one could probably draw the conclusion even if you didn't read comics. But it would just been kind of like a nice surprise to be like, okay, this is a fun partner movie. Yeah. Let's do it.
0: Do you think, like, again, something I want back up top was, like, Hank not trusting his daughter entirely. Do you think we could mess around with Hope dating Darren Cross at all? Um... Maybe. I, and the sword gives us, like, okay, whose side is she really on? like Because she's been estranged from her dad. She never told her about her mom or yeah. something like that. It also gives her a little more of an arc, maybe, if she is conflicted with everyone. I think that would just... Yeah, I think that would just fall under the umbrella for more
1: character development for Hope, which I am a little down for, because um, the MCU kind of falls into this weird and, I guess, not great pattern where in the romances usually the male figure gets like all the growth and the female figure is either already is it's just kind of like his stepping stone sort of thing yeah like like i love dr strange and i think but i think of like the strange and um god what's her name rachel mcadams that that whole thing you know strange is broken the whole time and he's like apologetic and everything and he grows up as a person and she's just kind of there <clears throat> like, they don't even get to reconcile or anything, really. And then, even with, uh. I guess. I don't know. The, the MCU romances have been kind of a, a little all over the place.
0: Yeah, again, I. They do just sort of ham fist some relationships at times. I think it could have been interesting. I definitely want more character development out of her, especially since the whole second movie is about them in general.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I my big hope for Ant-Man and the Wasp is that they both kind of learn from each other, similar how, uh, like, Scott sees the parallels with him and Hank. Like, they, they both have similar things going on. But um, in this one, when he gets to really, really gets to know Hope, that they kind of teach each other. Like, she gets to know him, he gets to know her, like... I, I kind of I really hope it's it is a hundred percent a partnership and more like a mutual thing.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Then there's a lot you could cut out to make that time too. Like I think the whole fiance, dad fiance thing we can cut out. Honestly, the Falcon scene was cool and everything, but right. And the overall plot, what does it do? That's yeah. like seven to eight minutes there. So,
1: and and that's the thing I I do want to talk about this and the the bigger topic is just. Uh, what I did like what this movie did is that it it wasn't an Avengers movie but this was the first I guess solo film where it it all felt connected like crazy yeah beforehand there's just been like mentions of like Stark technology or Loki turning into Captain America and Mm -hmm. and Thor 2 stuff like that but this time I really felt like again since these are very human characters I, I really felt like we're along for the Avengers ride and we we know that these things have happened, and it even kind of sets the tone of animosity for, between citizens and the Avengers, because Hank has this line where he's like, oh, they're probably just dropping cities out of the sky, because uh, presumably Ultron has just happened. Right. And it's, it, it's still like a huge controversy surrounding it, where yes, they did save the world, but it was at a big cost, and Ultron was kind of their fault. So... I do like that it's connected, but I do think the Falcon fight maybe could have just been taken out in general because, like I mentioned, literally any other Avenger, I think this wouldn't have worked.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, not even like. It, it literally is just him. I can't think of another one that yeah. they could even possibly. Because Hawkeye's ahead and retired
1: him. at this point. Right. Widow would kick Scott's ass all over the floor, yeah. <laughs> um, and then. The other Avengers just aren't even in the same tier as Scott. You got Cap, Wanda, Vision, Rhodey.
0: Scarlet Witch. None of those guys. Yeah, it just wouldn't work. It it literally
1: just had to be Falcon. And the only reason the fight worked is because Scott had the advantage of shrinking. And Falcon's a very big picture fighter since he's, you know, paratrooper and stuff. Right. Yeah. So I liked the greater connection. But yeah, I think maybe let's take the Falcon fight out
0: yeah i agree i agree so should we talk about the troubled production history of this movie now yes. is there anything else you want to go into surgery about uh no i think that's good okay yeah but well, uh you have done a lot more research and just a little more uh in tune with comics than i am <laughs> and so give us the lowdown of Edgar Wright yeah. and everything that happened
1: hey sometimes yeah
0: i got my i got my phd from mcu <laughs> uh, marvel cinematic
1: university uh, just kidding. Nice, nice. Anyway, um, you said my pumps were bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, still, listen to my podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think Peyton Reed salvaged this as best as anyone could. Because uh, what you have to remember is that this was during the Perlmutter Problem area. Um, so a little background for for those who don't know even though I've talked about this on my blog a few times, Marvel Studios has a very interesting history where the at the time, President Kevin Feige kind of demanded to, or he was, he met the demands of Ike Prometer and uh, Ike is, he's kind of, I mean, you can't really blame him, I guess, or uh, there's just, there's just a lot to go about there, but the point is, this is the guy that said, you know, Black Widow action figures wouldn't sell. He comes from a toy world, and uh he wasn't very when you when you bring him into a shared universe like this, this is why Black Panther and Black Widow and Captain Marvel and all of these things were in kind of production hell for a while um, because not only was it him uh, more so there was a Marvel creative committee, and this anytime anytime the filmmakers did something, the creative committee like gave them ideas, and apparently this is kind of the reason why there was just a lot of problems between the creative side and the um with the creative committee and and just the filmmakers in general and even the actors like if you remember for a while there was a big point in mcu history where like personally i thought it was going to go to shit because hemsworth wanted out of thor evans wanted out downey wanted out um i think like renner wasn't even that excited about it I, I think uh, Scarlet was just kind of like what the hell? Why can't I get a movie? <laughs> like I, I, I it was just it, there was just a lot of tension and a lot of this tension came from directors especially and the Marvel creative committee. Uh, if you guys remember, Edward Norton used to be our Bruce mm-hmm. Banner and then he just wasn't. <laughs> and <laughs> Kenneth Branagh has cited that he had some he had some problems with his first Thor film conflict with the committee basically edgar wright just was having none of this and he was just like this isn't the movie i wanted to make you guys told me i was going to make this movie and now you're going back on it i'm out so ant-man still came out on time uh july 2015 about two months after age of ultron we're following a similar formula here where in the may of this year we had an avengers movie and in july we're gonna have an ant-man movie and then we're gonna not have a movie for a while there was a huge gap between Ant-Man and Civil War. There's going to be a pretty big gap for us between Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel. In this time, Ant-Man comes out in July, gets salvaged. It's, you know, critics generally respond positively to it. In August of 2015, uh, Kevin Feige demands an executive shakeup. And not only does the creative committee get dissolved, but... Um, I guess the, the the layman's way of putting it is that Disney goes, okay, Feige, you have all of studios. Every Marvel Studios decision is now basically up to you. Ike, you are not involved in studios anymore. You still got the rest of Marvel. Go do what you got to do. So Feige, instead of starting to answer to this committee and answer to Ike Prometer, Feige instead started answering to... Disney in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot the name, but he has like one guy at Disney that, that deals with him. And... Uh, I think it might be Alan Horn. Yes, yes, know. that is the name. Yeah, that's the name. So <clears throat> with that, and this is where fans will start to notice when this took place, then you have Civil War, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, all of which have just been massive successes, not only at the box office, but behind the scenes as well if you if you remember downey didn't really want to come back and he decided to come back for for civil war and then after that it was more of like okay i'll be in spider-man and then it was
0: like okay i'll be in avengers 3 like that was the whole deal um i believe he gets a percentage of the box office too yeah so he's making a ton of money
1: (laughs) (laughs) um right so and then Hemsworth more excited to be Thor than ever now same with Evans like they're they feel like a family now if you ever watch behind the scenes stuff if you're obsessed with the MCU like I am these guys all genuinely like each other they'll get along Ruffalo actually half convinced Brolin to be Thanos and we all know how well that turned Mm -hmm. out Downey had sort of a say in who was Spider-Man just kind of like yeah I like him and we again, we all know how well that turned out. yes, those movies are not beyond criticism i We can sit down and we could script doctor any of those movies and think of things that maybe could have been better, but you have to you can't deny that the quality of Marvel film just improved vastly since since civil war and yes i it, it there's a corral, like yeah, there's an obvious correlation. you took the creative committee out. Suddenly, directors are happy, actors are happy, Feige's happy, fa- fans are happy, and these the quality of these films goes up.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I know I say I don't like Ant Man that much, but Ant Man is still a lot better than like any Transformers movie and most franchise movies. It's still good compared to you know those standards, yeah. but like for Marvel standards, I just have a little higher for that. Yeah, so I guess. We can ask the question that
1: if if Edgar Wright wasn't dealing with this creative committee, you
0: think he would have stayed on? You think he? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. He would have stayed on. that He would have been. A, this would probably be like his highest-grossing movie out there. He'd be eager to come back for Ant Man Two. I think this would have yeah. been a lot different of a movie. Well, not even maybe like the dialogue. Certain things get changed. I don't think we have as many montages. From what I've read online, I think some character development did get scrapped. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Yeah. And I think something that we should look at, just like looking at the present time right now, I think Edgar Wright leaving is similar to the solo directors leaving for Star Wars. Yeah. Where, like, they have this very distinct vision. It's going to be a lot different than what we usually have done. And it's a much bigger risk. Like, yeah. I'm sure Edgar Wright's movie was just like, whoa, okay, this is a lot different, and I don't know how audiences are going to respond to it, because this is so out there and wacky. and Yeah. And the big thing with the Solo guys, originally, that they were trying to make more of a comedy, you know, buddy cop thing, from from what I could picture from those guys, because uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller did the jump, 22 Jump Street series, Lego movie, they they're batting a thousand, I think. But they're more definitely like, you know, buddy movies. And I think originally they were trying to go for like a Chewbacca solo (laughs) version of it. And the guys at Star Wars, you know, Lucasfilms got a little too scared, being like, oh, this is a lot different than we expected and we're going to scrap you. Right. Where I know Edgar Wright left, but I think it's a similar parallel where it's, alright, are we going to take this risk or not? And because. I think Marvel learned their lesson. I think Edgar Wright would be the director right now if they wanted to do an Ant-Man movie. And I think Star Wars should also pick up on those things.
1: Right. So apparently Peyton Reed was just very good to work with. And um, like I said, I think in, in recent memory, there's there's a few of these movies where behind the scenes or halfway through production, uh, either a director got scrapped or a huge decision was made or there was a bunch of reshoots. So I think, I think Ant-Man, I think Rogue One... I think Solo, I think Justice League, mm-hmm. um, and I think uh there's there's another big one. Forget I'm blanking on the name right now. But between all of these movies that just like so I guess there was a like a knee jerk reaction and then just shit happened right away. I think out of all of these, Ant Man came out the best pro- like finished product. Oh, definitely. The one that felt a little more complete. Cool. Maybe maybe Rogue One, but um I guess I guess that's just your preference of type of movie. Yeah. But, I mean, Justice League. Wow, those were some <laughs> awful. Like, you there was conflicting tone all over that movie, and Solo. It just Solo ended up. I guess the Ron Howard method of it was just playing it incredibly safe.
0: Yeah, I guess I Solo is not one of my favorite films out no,
1: there. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but. Anyway, I guess to, I guess to wrap it up, I, uh, just to repeat what I've said, uh, Ant-Man, it, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. And mm-hmm. I think when right after, cause I, I, I watch, I prefer to watch the MCU chronologically actually. Uh-huh. And, um, right after I, there is reason to suggest that Ultron happens. And then Dr. Strange has a lot of like pacing issues where it's, there takes place months <laughs> like that's the time frame of that movie Yeah. but sure. there is reason to suggest that Ultron happens Doctor Strange happens and then Ant-Man happens and I think that's pretty awesome because you have this you have like giant murder bot and then you have magic and time time me stuff and Dormammu and then you just have Ant-Man and I think I think it's it's a even if you're watching it if you're watching chronologically or sequentially in release order, either way it's just a really nice breath of fresh air and he, he, Ant-Man does come and bring that same breath of fresh air to Civil War and I, I'm very excited for Ant-Man and the Wasp
0: Yep, I, I'm very pumped for Ant-Man and the Wasp, especially after watching Infinity Wars it's by no stretch like a terrible film or anything, just in general for me I think that there's like a little two inch montaging, Paul Rudd really is the one that keeps the film going and it's not bad but I got a I, shout I, out I Michael Sins. Pena
1: though because he's he does such a good job
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Michael Pena great I, I actually have a funny story about Michael Pena I was running around a su- Sundance two years ago and me and my friend had just came from like one of these after parties things and we're waiting at the station the bus station to go back and my friend recognizes someone up Front and she's like, "Oh my God! Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I know you from somewhere." And she starts talking to this one girl, and I turn and the guy that she's with is Michael fucking Pena, <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh yo, dude, what's up, man?" And we just like have a real casual talk, and the whole time I'm like I'm fucking talking to Michael Pena, <laughs> and you could tell he was like, I later found out I think that the girl that my friend was talking to was also a celebrity. So she didn't, she recognized her through a TV show. And she was like, no, no, I know you through somewhere. And here I'm just talking to Michael Pena about, like, hey, yeah, we got, I think on the bus stop, we got to take it here, there, there. And they, they end up walking away. And then I'm just like, yo, man, I loved you and Ant Man. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I really appreciate that, man. Uh, we're starting the second one production in a few months. Like, make sure to watch out for <laughs> it. It's going to be great. And I was like, dope, man. Oh my god! He's cool. All I need out of the MCU is a Luis and corg team up. that's That's all I need. (laughs) That dude, that could be like a American sitcom right there. Dude, that's gonna. Dude, that would be Force Awakens at the box office. Oh god! (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, I guess uh, I guess that's that's what we got yeah. that's it
0: for today that's for me uh, Sogger, where could people find you at
1: yeah so um, I I run a blog uh, mostly about movies pretty much all about movies it's called Soggsblogs.com. That's that's Uh I also am a co-host of the overrated podcast I do with my buddy Uday Meta you can find us at his website dot com. that's com, or on uh apple on your apple podcast app whatever you can you can search his name and uh he has two podcasts on the same feed so if you look for coming soon that's us and uh the other easiest way is if if you're listening to this and you know both of us just on instagram i always have links
0: to my newest content there uh so yeah that's all for me yeah it's really good stuff make sure to check it out guys it's good stuff good insightful things uh the doctor scripts guys will be making an appearance this weekend talking about jurassic world um we have opinions (laughs) yeah very excited for that yes uh make sure to also like subscribe uh on our iTunes feeds Um, we're basically like a startup podcast, so every little thing matters and we really appreciate it. That's the Facebook page, Instagram, all that good jazz. Um, again, thanks for listening. Have a dope day and ant you something to do today? Oh, you didn't have one to close. (laughs) I didn't. Oh no. Uh, All right. (laughs) This this ain't too bad of a podcast. Am I right? Yeah. All right. See you guys. And man (laughs) is (laughs) great. See you guys.